6682413 right here on Kingdom Empowerment. I promise this is going to be a blessing to you. We're just going to be talking about the characteristics of a soul-like spirit. So I'm sh- assure you that you will be blessed. Uh every 10 to 15 minutes, we will be opening up the lines for anyone who has any questions, statements, or comments. I encourage you to please go ahead and just to share uh, your views, just share what you would have to say concerning this topic. Even if you have a prayer request, we welcome that as well. Uh, But we want to encourage you uh, so that this can be an open forum where it's interactive. Uh, You do not have to disclose your name. Nevertheless, if you would like to introduce who you are, we'll be more than happy to have you to do so. Again, have those who are calling in for the very first time at 646-668-2413. And this is your host for tonight, Dehima McLean. We're going to be talking about the characteristics of Saul. Let's open up in prayer. Father God, we want to thank you tonight for who you are. God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor that is due your name. Father, there is none like you. We thank you, O God, for yet another day in the land of the living. We want to thank you, O God, for this time that you have designed and orchestrated that, Lord, we can come back on here on Kingdom Empowerment just to share your word, just to learn of you. For, Father God, we understand that your word is life, amen, to our spirit. And we pray that tonight, God, you will breathe, amen, your breath inside of us, inside of us so we may quicken and come to life that lord hallelujah your word will help us to to uh, uh to be developed amen and to to draw us closer to you lord god i pray that as this topic is going for tonight that your people will understand the nature of, of this message, that they will be blessed, that they will be informed. Father God, I thank you, hallelujah, for this opportunity. And I pray that tonight, God, that every person that comes on this line or here, this live broadcasting, that they will be blessed, hallelujah, that their life will be changed by this life-changing message, Lord. And we pray that you would cover every person on this line, make the frequency be clear in Jesus name. Amen and amen. And once again, this is your host, Dehima McLean. We're on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 through 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We welcome you in the matchless name of Jesus. We're tonight going to be talking about the characteristics of Saul. The characteristics of Saul. Before we get into that, we're going to just sort of uh, recap what we discussed in our last segment. We briefly talked about who David was. We mentioned that David was a shepherd boy who first gained his fame as a musician. He was known for killing the great giant Goliath. Uh, he was under the ministry of uh, uh, King Saul. Hallelujah. We find that David was a man at the God's own heart, a shepherd boy that eventually became king. We know that this particular story talks about the life of David and how he was rejected, how uh, uh, Saul was not the leader, a model-type leader that will help to bring David up in the Lord, but rather David had to deal with the ramifications of Saul's uh, characteristics and uh, his behavior. Uh, We found that and discovered that as we were going over this topic that 
David had to go through some trivial moments that he was rejected. Uh, he was raised in the wilderness. Uh, uh, many people did not accept him, but God called him out to be king. We found that he had dealt with um, encounters of dealing with Saul, having to dodge Saul's javelins and dealing with Saul's jealousy. Uh, we found that there came a time when um, that he was not even acknowledged by his biological father named Jesse, but how God used Samuel and, uh, to anoint him, to bypass uh, all the other brothers just to bless him because of his heart. We've also mentioned that uh, David had a, a shepherd's heart, and we spoke about every true leader uh, should smell like sheep, meaning that they should have a heart for God's people, a heart for ministry. And we talked about um, Saul's experiences and how David differentiated so vastly uh, in comparison to Saul and how Saul uh, was not like David. David was a man after God's own heart, but we found that Saul was very prideful, and as a result of that, it led to his downfall. Uh, we talked about uh, Saul's experiences when God had given him specific instructions, and he did not follow that. And we saw where in the Bible it mentioned that the Lord has declared in his word that obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. And whenever we're disobedient, it's like the sin of witchcraft. Uh, we've observed as well that Samuel came and uh, was sanctioned on assignment by the Lord to go to Saul and to strip the kingdom away from him because of his uh, ego. His ego was bigger than his love uh, for instructions and for the things of God. And we spoke about how he did not follow God's precepts and, and, walk and doing things circumspectly based on how God had instructed him to do. Uh, the circumstances that he faced there, that the kingdom was taken away from him and it was given to a more honorable vessel, which was David. And we end up there. Now we want to talk to you tonight about Saul's characteristics, Saul's characteristics and what led him there. We also want to bring it down to modern vernacular in the way where you will understand this and how it's applicable to today and how to observe this soul-like spirit that operates in uh, uh, individuals who are in the place of leadership or at a place of uh, authority. And we're not just talking about spiritual authority, but this also refers to governmental authority, uh, spiritual authority. Any capacity of authority one may hold, this spirit of Saul uh, and, and the characteristics, the attributes of this spirit, you will be able to identify it in certain individuals. And so we want to talk about that tonight. We're going to illuminate the characteristics of Saul and what we're not to do and the approach we should take as God's servant. So that's what we'll be focusing on for this evening. And so we see here the story of, of Saul, and we spoke about, we're talking about the characteristics of Saul. We know that Saul was the son of Kish. He was the, from the tribe of Benjamin. 
Uh, Saul came from a well-to-do family. Uh, the Bible says that he was tall, he was dark, he was handsome uh, in appearance. And Scripture states that there was not a man among the sons of Israel more handsome than he was. He was being tall than any other people from his shoulder and upward. You can find this in First Samuel chapter 9, verses 2. He was God's chosen one to uh, lead the scattered nation of Israel. Now, what am I saying there is that though um, the people chose Saul, he was still anointed by God. And so I'm going to say that though the people uh, uh, chose Saul and appointed Saul, he was still anointed by God to do God's good will and pleasure. Amen. And so we find here a very interesting story that he was elected rather by the people and the bible gives a physical description of who uh he was he came from a well-to-do family as i mentioned in retrospect and so we see here that he was a very well-off man that uh he started off very well and i'm sure that many people might have looked up to him a lot of people may have admired him because of his physical stature and his appearance i'm sure that he might have had some sort of charisma and he really appealed to the people. In fact, he had to appeal to the people if they chose him. Uh, and so there must have been something about Saul that attracted the people that they would want him to be the next king. And so he fit the perfect physical description of one that exudes strength, one that exudes leadership skills, one that will be seen to be honorable, one that exemplifies what it truly means to be a leader. And the people uh, felt that this individual was trustworthy enough or reliable enough to lead them in uh, a certain path or direction. And so we see that he was chosen. Now, one of the things that I find very interesting about this particular passage is that uh, uh, the Bible says he came from a well-to-do family, a well-to-do family, and it spoke about his physical appearance, which means that he started off well. Uh, but then when we just kind of fast forward uh, uh, to the latter part of Saul's life, we see that he did not finish well. He did not finish well. And so I just want to elaborate on that particular part right there, is that oftentimes the way many people start is not how they finish. Sometimes it's not the way you start, but it's how you finish the race. And when we look at this Christian journey and this Christian life, it's more so a, a, a journey that we're walking through. It's, it's a process of development. It's a process of learning the ways of God to do what he has instructed us to do. A lot of times people feel that because they start well, that it's inevitable for them to finish the way they started. But sometimes it's not so. As we go along our journey called life, we'll find that we will encounter many hindrances, roadblocks. There are times we're not going to always be obedient. Sometimes we're susceptible to falling into sin. Uh, we don't always follow God's instructions. We're going to have mistakes and mishaps. Uh, even when we feel like we got it all together and we're well to do, we may have the status quo, the 
accolade, the title, uh, the physical appearance, the, the charisma, uh, the money, the platform, whatever it is that we feel that we have that qualifies us to be someone uh, uh, that people look up to or to be a great leader, uh, these things oftentimes does not negate uh, your journey. It doesn't mean that because I am these things and I started off this well, doesn't mean that's how the story is going to conclude. And so what matters most is not how we start, but the process plus the ending, the process plus the ending. And one of the things that I love about the life of David, we saw that he dealt with a lot of endurance. He dealt with uh, the process. He's gone through many trivial moments, and oftentimes we feel so frustrated with life because we're saying, God, I'm going through all this process, and things are not going according to how I would desire it to be. But what of the things about the process is that it teaches us how to be that leader that God is molding us and shaping us into be. Uh, oftentimes when people take you from one place and put you on a platform without the process, a failure is inevitable to happen. I'm going to say that again. It is a dangerous thing to be placed on a platform without the process because you'll find that there will be failure. Uh, I don't see in the particular and in this passage or in the Bible where it talks about that Saul had to deal with David had to deal with. And so they elected him because of his outward appearance. And so the Bible says it like this, that men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. This is where we oftentimes get it wrong because especially today, <coughs> excuse me, in Christendom, we tend to place a lot of emphasis simply because of a person's physical appearance, simply because they may have certain things that qualifies them to be a great leader. And so many people have a tendency to flock to individuals of that nature. They feel because uh, they have a certain physical appearance or a presence, a disposition to them that, wow, this person must be anointed by God. This person must be a person that I should follow. But it's not always what things what they appear to be. Sometimes what you see is not what you get. I'm going to say that again. What you see is not always what you get. And a lot of times uh, we find that today, today, if you read the Bible carefully and you know the characteristics of Saul, a lot of times you'll find that there are individuals uh, like Saul that's on the platform today. Yes, we, we have Saul-like leadership. We have Saul pastors, bishops, prophets, uh, 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 individuals that are in a place of political power. You have this Saul spirit running rapid today. Now, people, people may feel that because Saul died many, many uh, years ago that uh, that was the end, end story of Saul. But no, uh, his spirit lives, lives on. And we find that oftentimes that it's manifested in many people. And it's manifest because of so many <laughs> different things, which is what I'm going to give you today. But uh, a lot of this was the 
survived from because he felt that things was already well to do. And that's the danger of uh, uh, being an individual that have no real reliance of God. Whenever we ever feel, should ever feel that we're so well to do and we no longer need God's instructions, we no longer follow his instructions or governed by his spirit or we decide that we want to do things our way, we will find that the outcome will be tragic. And so we we want to keep in mind and in perspective that any time we feel that we are well-to-do and then there is no dependency on God, that's when you are bargaining for trouble. We are bargaining for trouble. And so we find here that Saul did not end the way he started. Uh, a soul spirit uh, 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 is an, a spirit that does several things. Several things, and then I said, it's running rampant today. It's running rampant today. And the Bible says it like this, by their fruit, you shall know them. By their fruit, you shall know them. And many individuals are so deceived because they're looking at the outward. Uh, we have lacked spiritual sensitivity or discernment uh, to see things with our spiritual eyes. And we no longer look at things with our spiritual eyes is because it's either we don't have the spiritual eyes or insight or foresight to see certain things, or we just simply lack knowledge. We simply are ignorant of the word of God, uh, where we do not know what it means to bear good fruit. And, and so uh, this is why we have to be mindful of, of, of what we call God, which is not God. And not only that, be discerning of what we call fruit. Do you know that sometimes, a lot of times when we go to the market, our fruit you'll see it's on display. It's on display, and it looks shiny. It, it looks good, uh, and you would want to, uh, to take, that, take that fruit because it looked good. But after a while, after a while, if that fruit is mishandled, you'll begin to discover with that fruit that it will start to rot. It will start to develop uh, 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 some sort of contamination to it. It will start to develop some things with that fruit because it was mishandled. It wasn't nurtured. And so what am I saying to you tonight? That whenever God entrusts us with a responsibility, when God entrusts us with an assignment, with a fruit, with our character character, whenever he entrusts us with that, we want to be sure that we're constantly grooming it and allowing the Holy Spirit to groom us because the moment we lose sight of that is the moment we'll start developing spiritual molds, is the moment we'll start being infested by different things and the fruit no longer is good or healthy, but the fruit begins to rot. And that's what the Bible is basically talking about. You shall know them by their fruit because after a while it can look look appealing to you, but if you're not careful and you don't have spiritual eyes to see, 
You will call what's rotten good and what's good rotten. And so we've got to learn to get to that place where we begin to develop a sense of spiritual sensitivity where we're able to see what's right and what's wrong. The Bible says, woe be unto those that call good evil and evil good. And, and many times we're calling what's good evil and evil good because we're not in tune enough. We have lost sight of what it means to uh, uh, exemplify or exude God-like characteristics or fruit. Uh, we feel that because we have been anointed or ordained or we've got a title or, or we've got some sort of prestige that we forget that we have to work on what's most important and that's our character. And when we place more emphasis on our gift without the character uh, traits to go with it, it makes our ministry ineffective. We'll find that our gift will then become our own demise because our gift now, uh, my God, watch this, your gift without being governed becomes a disaster. I'm going to say that again. Whenever your gift is not governed by the Holy Spirit, it becomes a disaster. It becomes a demise to you because the gift without the Holy Spirit, amen, will cause us to be prideful. But whenever our gift is subjugated and submitted to the will of God, it causes us to be humble. We will begin to look at it in a different spectrum and say, wow, I know that I could not have done that within my own ability. I could not have done this within my own human effort. It's God that has given me this gift, that this title, this responsibility, this assignment, this platform to do his good work. But the moment we use the gift for our self-glorification is the moment we are asking for trouble. And so we've got to be careful that our gift is governed by God. Be careful that your gift is governed by God, never losing sight that we're to be remain humble through it all. And so I, I, I spoke for quite some time. I'm going to open up the lines for any persons before I get into the characteristics for any person who has any questions, statements, or comments, uh, please feel free to do so. Uh, you may state your name. If you want to remain anonymous, you can do so as well. Caller, you are live. God bless you. Good evening, woman of God. Good evening. God bless you. God bless you, and thank you for this for this interesting topic. Uh, just in listening to what you're saying, um, you spoke about earlier about Saul being anointed. Um, in present day, you know, there are a lot of people who really long for, or I should say, uh, aspire for leadership. And I, I often question, and I think we spoke about this before, the motivation for wanting power. What is your motivation behind wanting to lead people? Uh, is it uh, self-glorification? Is it a desire to want to lead people? Uh, I think many of us, even those who are called, uh, don't really have a full understanding or grasp of the responsibility of being a leader. Uh, we can go to seminary and college and, and, and learn about leadership and learn the different characteristics of what makes a great leader, but mm -hmm. not until you actually go through the experience for yourself on the job training, 
where you're learning because there's but so much. And I'm all for education. I'm all for uh, uh, going to the Bible colleges or the universities or the seminaries to, to, to gain a greater understanding. But there is no greater teacher than experience. And once you <clears throat> gain that experience and you begin to see what leadership one-on-one is really all about and and certainly uh, uh, the publications and the universities and the education is important. It's a part of our, of, of our growth process, but that experience, because you may encounter a situation that uh, the books did not tell you about, and that's what I'm concerned about. Lord, what is it? Is there something coming my way that I have not prepared for? Uh, the unexpected. Uh, how, do we, how do we solve problems? Uh, we, we, we have the blueprint for solving problems, the, uh, the steps that we need to take, but how do we really resolve problems? And what we see in leadership often, and I'm going to use a passage of Scripture, and I love this particular passage. It's in 1 Samuel 16, and I just highlighted or underlined uh, a couple of key words. I'm going to start at verse 21. I'm just, you know, just a couple of verses here. Uh, for the sake of time. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. So the relationship between David and Saul was a love relationship in a sense where uh, there was a love. Uh, Saul loved David and David loved Saul and, uh, and David found favor in King Saul's sight and it came to pass continuing here when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand so Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him so the scripture says and Saul was refreshed so there must have been a form of deliverance where Saul was put back into his right mind in a sense where that evil spirit uh, that was uh, sent to him from the Lord uh, came over him and, of course, works with the openings that was already there to begin with to, to contaminate that relationship. Because going back to the words, Saul loved him and David found favor in the sight of God. So even in that, Saul still needed to be delivered from, as you mentioned earlier, that prideful spirit, that rebellious spirit, uh, which came over him. And this is where we need to really pray for our leaders. And that's what David did. He he came. Now he could have said, "Well, whoa, you know, this this man is this man is truly troubled." But nevertheless, David, his love for King Saul says, "No." I want him delivered, and I'm going to not question, but I'm going to play this harp because this is the right thing to do, and because he loved him so much, and regardless of their relationship, regardless of, 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 of what King Saul tried to do, he still said, you know what, this is important, and he took his harp, and he played his harp, and as the scripture says, Saul was refreshed, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, I'm going to bring that to the present day. How many of us, whether you're an armor bearer, 
or you just or, or 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 you're a congregation member, how many of us are interceding on behalf of those leaders who persecute us? How mm-hmm. many of us are interceding for these men and women who misuse us, mistreat us, they talk about us, uh uh they don't allow us for whatever reason to move into our God given call. Uh they choose to hinder our progress. They they, they they choose to use us for their own benefit. Are we praying for the minds of these individuals? Are we praying that, Lord, that you would uh, uh, speak to this person in a dream or in a vision, uh, that, Lord, you would use them, Lord, to propel me uh, into my destiny? Because, Lord, I, I don't feel that this relationship uh, is going in a very good direction. And we really need to lift one another up. Instead of tearing one another down and calling each other evil and, 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 and hating one another, we need to be interceding for one another. No, this woman of God, a man of God, is not going in a very good direction. They're not going down the right path. Lord, I'm praying for them. Lord, I pray that you would restore to them, Lord. I pray that, Lord, you would refresh them, that, that, that Lord, you would return them to their first love. Holy Spirit, come upon them and, and, even, and Lord, even knock them down. Put them in their right mind, Lord. Put them in their right state of mind so that, Lord, they can, again, look towards eternal things and not on things that are considered carnal. So, woman of God, I just wanted to share that. And we really need to intercede for the men and women of God who, who are in leadership. Uh, even those who who anoint themselves and who are in places where they don't belong, that God would uh, illuminate and, and say, hey, my son, my daughter, uh, you're not where I called you to be, and, and get them back in line uh, with what God wants them to do, and, and more importantly, for their own sake, because there's nothing worse than someone who's out of place. We can't fit round pegs and square holes. They won't fit, and you can jam it in there as much as you want. It's not going to fit. It's round, not square. So I just wanted to say that, uh, and I'm going to continue to listen and take notes, woman of God. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, man of God. And I just kind of want to just sort of uh, expound on the statements that men of God made, and I just wanted to kind of Thank you so much for that, man of God. It was very resourceful and insightful. Um, I want to expound on this statement so that way we can all get clarity. <clears throat> the scripture the man of God was referenced to about the evil spirit uh, being sent from the Lord. Uh, let, let, me, let me share this for those individuals that are infants or very, um, very much in their infancy in their Christian walk. Uh, so that the message is not misconstrued. We'll find that these, this evil spirit that was sent from the Lord was sent upon Saul, not because evil exists in God. <clears throat> let, me, let me just clarify that. Not because evil exists in God or he had some sort of special preference that he would choose David and throw an evil spirit on Saul. No. God is not malicious. I, I want to say that. Yes, the scripture states in, in, in its content that it was sent from God. But it was not because God intentionally uh, inflicted that upon him because God just wanted to do it for his purpose of what was already predetermined. Now, it, it was done because of 
choices, what was already existing, let me say that, what was already existing in Saul is what created that circumstance. I'm going to say that again. It's what was already existing in Saul is what created that because God is not unjust. So I, I wanted to clarify that. The other thing that I do <clears throat> want to expound on the men of God mentioned uh, so, so wonderfully, uh, he mentioned that we're supposed to pray for uh, leaders, and that's the gospel message. That is the gospel message. It's the right doctrine. We're supposed to definitely uh, uh, speak and pray uh, for uh, our enemies uh, that's being used by our real spiritual enemy. We got to pray for these individuals uh, that are doing things knowingly and unknowingly and pray that God will restore them. That's what the gospel is all about is restoration. Nevertheless, I will say this. Nevertheless, it, it also goes beyond restoration. Restoration is great. But whenever we're praying, whenever we're praying, we're to pray the will of the Father. We're to pray the will of the Father. And in doing so, God will complete the tasks. I'm going to say that. Whenever we pray, we pray the will of God, and God completes the tasks. Uh, and why am I saying this to you? Uh, there was an appointed time for those of you uh, who may have questions. I'm just trying to clarify a few things or expound on it, rather. There was a appointed time when, Saul, when Samuel was sent, the last, the last uh, straw that God had with Saul. Uh, Saul was given many chances. Grace and mercy was extended to Saul. L let me make that clear. It was extended to him. Uh, but then it was, there was a final straw when God says he's going to send Samuel uh, to take the kingdom away from Saul because of his mismanagement and because of his disobedience. Whenever we're like Samuel, whenever God strips someone of a mantle or an assignment, and God is dealing with them personally, I would recommend that we do not get in the way. So, yes, pray for your enemies. Pray restoration. But up until that point when God is handling that individual himself, then we are suggested, or, 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 or as it was with Samuel, uh, Samuel walked away, and he felt very sad in his spirit. But there comes a time when God is dealing with it. Let God deal with the end of the result and not getting in the way of that. Uh, there are some individuals that God is just dealing with. And you can ask God and pray for God and petition and intercede unto God and say, God, will you have mercy upon this person? And he's the one that ultimately decides if he wants to extend his mercy or if he does not. But if he does not extend his mercy, then there's nothing else that we can do. So I want to clarify that. Uh, because why am I sharing that? Some individuals may ask, do I keep standing in the gap for maybe, let's say perhaps, Saul, when he began to consult the witch of Endor, uh, do I continue to pray for a witch that's trying to kill me? Do I continue to pray for a warlock that's trying to kill me? There is an appointed time when you pray the will of the Father and let God deal with the other results, but listen to his instructions. He will instruct you as to whether he wants you uh, to continue to pray or to intercede or, uh, or when to remain silent when to allow him to just deal with certain things, he will give us the instructions. So I want to make that clear. Just obey God's instructions concerning 
any circumstances. Uh, and I just kind of want to clarify, clarify that for individuals who may have um, any questions. But what the man of God shared was 100% biblical. We're to pray restoration. We're to uh, uh, do as the scripture says, as Jesus said. Bless and do not curse. We're supposed to love them. And that's the, one of the things that what made David so honorable as a man of God shared is because of his posture, because of his heart, that in spite of, of, of the, these leaderships that we're seeing today, that is not uh, displaying God-like characteristics or exhibiting uh, godly qualities, uh, it, it doesn't mean that we should not, uh, 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 we, should, we should retaliate. It doesn't mean that we should retaliate or uh, become vindictive or become the very thing that we despise uh, because we see other leaders mismanaging things. We're to just say, God, well, show me a better way. Teach me a more excellent way. And that's what God did with David. Uh, the Bible says that David behaved himself wisely. And watch this. The Bible goes further to say that Saul feared David because he saw that the Lord was with him. And that's why he feared him. It's not because David had any special significance to him apart from the Spirit of God. It was because he followed the ways of the Lord so diligently that, that he, uh, what he uh, displayed was so much characteristics from the Spirit of God that that's what caused him to fear him. And because of that fear or that jealousy that resided in Saul is what caused Saul to want to attack David. But David, as a man of God shared, he played his heart for Saul. And sometimes this is the approach that we have to take by the will of God. The will of God will say, you know what, why don't you go ahead and play that heart for your enemies? Play the heart for your enemies. And one of the things that many soul-like leaders do not realize is that you are so occupied or we are so preoccupied with trying to kill our David but not realizing the David are your deliverance. I'm going to say that again. There are some individuals that are sent into your life, that are sent into your ministry, that is sent into a region, a territory, and they have that Davidic anointing on them. There's a kingly anointing in them, an honorable anointing. They, they bear the spirit of God. They're anointed ministrels. They are anointed deliverers. Uh, the oil of God is upon their life, and God will send them there just for you. Amen. But what we oftentimes do and what a soul spirit will do is that they will see the Davids and, and become intimidated by the Davids and their skillfulness and their ability of, as to what they possess. And instead of nurturing it, instead of pushing it, instead of building it up, we try to a sabotage or attack our very deliverance. Sometimes your Davids that are sent to you is your deliverance. So we've got to be prayerful as to whom God sent in our life and not become intimidated, but rather uh, uh, prepare them to continue on with the mantle. And that's what happens is when we are trying to hold the mantle to ourselves. When we hold the mantles to ourselves, then we find uh, that we become prideful because we don't want to relinquish it. And whenever you, with, I'm going to say this, whenever we withhold the mantle, we withhold movement. 
Whenever we withhold the mantle, we withhold movement. And it restricts what God is trying to do. So now you think that you're fighting against the next individuals on whom you're supposed to pass a mantle down to. You think you're fighting them, but really you're fighting the move of God. And if you fight the move of God, then you are fighting God himself. And so this is what happens with a lot of individuals. They know they think they're fighting the individuals, but they're fighting a movement. You cannot fight a movement. A movement is going to keep going. And, and guess what? Even if, if that movement begins to accelerate, if you are standing in the way of it, you're going to get plowed down. And I'm saying that in, in the, probably the most diplomatic way that I can, not in a harsh way, but if you stand in God's way and trying to restrict a kingdom movement, we will get plowed down uh, if we do not repent and say, God, I am sorry if I have done things knowingly and unknowingly and did not realize it. This is when we need to, as I said again, have to be so much in tune with God so we can understand and discern what it is that God is trying to do, what it is he's trying to do in an individual. Instead of you trying to assassinate them, why don't we try to build them up? Uh, instead of the, the man of God should, we try to build them, tear them down, or, 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 or tear each other down. Let's build each other up from the pulpit to the pew. And a lot of times, one of the things that's so tragic about this story with Saul, because really the sad thing is that <clears throat> He did not ask for the position. He did not go and seeking the position like, oh, saying, I wanted to be the next king and I want to lead the people. He did not ask for it. And a lot of times, as I said, these leaderships start off well, and they don't necessarily ask for it. They were <clears throat> just going on their regular life, daily living, uh, but a, a mantle was placed upon them. They have been anointed to do a specific work. They didn't necessarily ask for it, but because of, 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 of how we perceive things, because of areas we're not strengthened in, and because we lack uh, 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 the support, what happens is that many leaderships start falling in a, in a way uh, uh, or behavior that's unseeming, that God does not approve of. And so we want to make sure this is why we have to be accountable to one another, be accountable to one another, and, and never feeling that we're too big that we can't accept our Davids when they come, or we're never being too, uh, a feeling that we're too insignificant that we should not look at individuals that are like Saul, that's starting off well but going in the wrong direction and, and, and really wanting to support and really wanting to uh, 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 try to help them to get that deliverance. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we're here to build each other up ultimately. And so uh, let me give you the first characteristic of a Saul spirit. The first characteristic of a soul spirit, which I mentioned <clears throat> last week, is that a soul spirit does not does its best to suppress the advance advancement or the next level prophetic voices. So a lot of individuals believe that it's only a Jezebel spirit that does not like prophetic voices. A, a, a spirit of Saul also works alongside with the spirit of Jezebel. They both in different ways, in different methods and approach, stop 
the next prophetic voice uh, because David was released as an emerging leader and the mantle was getting ready to be placed down to him, which means that he was going to be the next voice. But because Saul wanted to keep that position for himself where people uh, can look at him only and started to make this about himself, we find that he tried to stop David uh, as a man of God's shield by throwing these javelins, but these javelins were sent to stop the prophetic voice. And as I shared before, you can't stop a movement, you can't stop a mantle, and you can't stop uh, a prophetic voice. Uh, you can try to silence it, but when you are doing that, you're fighting, watch this, you're fighting, as I said, a movement where God's move kingdom begins to mobilize. You're stopping an advancement. You're stopping a mantle where you're now restricting the portals of heaven. Whenever you stop, stop a mantle, you're stopping miracles. Let me say that again. When you stop a mantle, you stop miracles. Whenever you stop a, 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 a movement, you're stopping advancement. Whenever you stop a voice, you're stopping your own deliverance. You're stopping a reformation. You're stopping, you're stopping a, a history being made. You're stopping the glory of God. And then now this goes beyond uh, the natural to fighting things supernaturally. And you as a human, human being or physical being cannot stop a supernatural move. And that's what we need to begin to realize. So whenever God appoints a particular individual, uh, it's probably best to endorse what God is writing off on. Uh, here's another, you know, I'm going to open up the lines. I'm going to open up the lines for any questions, statements, or comments before I go into the other characteristics of a Saul's spirit. And we have approximately one hour left. So, color you alive if you have anything that you want to interject. Uh, if not, we'll just go ahead with the uh, characteristics. Hello, woman of God. Hi, God bless you, man of God. God bless you. God bless you, and, and, and thank you. Uh, you you, uh, you 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 touched on uh, something uh, with regards to the uh, evil spirit coming from the Lord, and uh, yeah. Uh, very interesting. You know, I also you know want want to share that the God that we serve is not an evil God. The God that we serve is not a God of evil. And just to add to what uh, you, you've already shared, uh, God uses certainly the good things, and yes, He does use evil. Now, for someone who might say, mm, well, wait a minute, then evil is actually one of the characteristics of God. Uh, mm. I, will, I will say this. I will say this. And the Lord can do whatever he chooses to do. But once we begin to step outside of our own finite thinking uh, and begin to step into the supernatural, it is hard for anyone, it's hard for a human being who, number one, we're, we're limited in our, ability, in our ability to understand the things which are considered infinite. So if God is good, certainly we know that he is, uh, then there, 
there, there must be something to measure that against. And in essence, God, who is good, and we know that he's all-knowing, he's good, why couldn't he use evil or, again, the individuals like us who are born into sin to bring forth that evil which is in us to now e- expose the good in him? I hope, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm hoping people are still with me or they're understanding. And another way, uh, yeah, just evil please um, re- recant your statement one more time for me, please. Okay. And that's just good and evil work together. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is, well, what is evil? Some people say, well, evil is that which is wicked, uh, that which is depraved. Uh, but when we look at it, we can also say that sin or evil is the corruption of that which is good. So if we're going to look at it that way, then in essence, God can use evil for, for, for his good. Uh, case in point, uh, Job said something very interesting in chapter 2, verse 10. He says, but he said unto her, speaking, speaking about Job's wife, because she couldn't understand why he was retaining his integrity when he was going through all this tribulation. And he said, but, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. So when we think of evil, I think we have to understand. Some people even come up with that question. Evil spirits from God. It sounds like sacrilege, but we have to understand that God uses the evil that is in us. (laughs) He allows it. He allows for us to do these things. He allows for this evil. Why? So that in the end he can be glorified and lifted up. So that's what I wanted to share. That's my... Uh, again, understanding, and I'm basing it on scripture and in terms of evil. In case anyone else uh, uh, wanted to talk about that, we, we certainly can. I'm going to continue to listen. I just wanted to hear your your, your feedback on that. Yes, man of God, absolutely. Uh, so when we look at um, God in that content, God does use uh, his, the Bible says, all things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord, for those that are called according to his purpose. So all things are you. So he did not omit the fact that evil is prevalent or present. All things work together for the good. Now, see, I, I want to look at it from that perspective and premise that whenever God uses evil, whenever he uses evil, now watch this, he uses evil he uses evil for direction, for redirection. Now, one may say, well, why doesn't he use just good for direction? Just use good. Just omit all the evil and just use good. Why can't he just do that? Why does he have to allow the evil? Now, now because many people ask that question, why does he just, why would he need to use an evil spirit? So that, that means that God is a cohort with evil so that would make God so unjust. Why would he use evil? Why can't he just use good, get rid of the evil altogether, right? So there are many people that would question that and question God's integrity and character as to why he needs to use evil. Now, l- let, me, let me share this. 
Remember, God is spirit. God is spirit. I want to clear this up. God is spirit. Uh, He governs the entire universe. But he has given us free will. The Bible says we are free will, free moral agents. We're free moral agents. And because of our free will and the decisions that are made outside of God governance is what creates evil because man apart from God is evil. There's no good thing that dwells in us. And so because we are not totally submitted to the things of God, uh, it creates opening. It creates uh, uh, openings for evil to exist. Let me say it like that. It creates opening for evil to then exist. Because whenever we act independently without God, it opens a portal of evil. And because of that evil, God will then take the evil for redirection. He will take that evil to ultimately point back to good. So that's what he does. He doesn't use the evil that he orchestrated, okay? So God does not, is not a designer of evil. I'm going to put it that way. God is not a designer of evil. It's the sinfulness and sinful nature that's in us that designs that evil. He then takes that. He, he, he extracts it from us. He would then use that, but ultimately so that it can show us where we are wayward. And so that's what he did with Saul. He used that to show Saul this is what absolute uh, a good looks like, and then this is what absolute evil looks like. So then we can make a healthy distinction and decision as to what we want to follow. But ultimately, choice is what opens that portal for whatever outcome you're going to receive. So, again, God is not the designer of evil. He, all things are known to him, but he is not a man or, or, or God that has evil intent. So let's put it that way. It is not an evil intent. Uh, so, man, I hope does it sort of, I know you know, I'm just, does it sort of kind of help to expound or elaborate on your point? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. Um, God allows, He again, his very essence, like you said, woman of God, his very nature is not evil. And we have to understand, I think where we fall short is, where, is when we try to think along with God. We try to, in essence, be God and our understanding. Like, why would he allow this? Now, these are all great questions to ask. And, you know, you had mentioned something uh, with uh, free will. You know, there, there are many people out there uh, that say, well, uh, how could there be a God if there's so much evil in the world or uh, there can be, well, there, there, there's no God. I'm not going to follow God. Uh, and first of all, how can we have a free will when he's already determined what he's going to do uh, if you follow the whole plan of uh, uh, predetermined uh, election? Uh, there are many people that say, wait, wait a second, there's no such thing as free will. Uh, there is no God. But we forget that, number one, unless we made this 
or we've come to the conclusion that there is no God mechanically, which I doubt very much, mm-hmm. there in itself, you're saying, your argument is, is that there is no God. Now, yes, God has already, he's, he's foreknowing and he knows all things. And yes, there is a predetermined plan. But in your mind, you have already decided or you've come to a truth that there is no God. So, in essence, you are now exercising that free will. There's a predetermined plan of God. You have now come to the conclusion, based on your uh, study, that there is no God based on A, B, and C. So, in essence, that person is acting outside of that predetermined plan, meaning Mm -hmm. that they're exercising their choice and their free will. Whether they want to acknowledge that or not is, is, is completely is a different story. So I guess we can come to the conclusion that truth is subjective. So uh, then you say, well, there's God's truth, and then there's man's truth. And this is why, again, it's a personal relationship. And I know we're getting way off topic, so I wanted to get back. Uh, I, I don't want to really uh, go too in-depth with this because I know you, you, you're talking about the characteristics of Saul. But when you brought that up, I, I just had to... Uh, talk about, again, what it says, evil spirit from God, because I struggled with that. And I'm like saying, wait a second, that doesn't line up with the God that I know. Uh, Evil spirit from God, so then I did a little more research and and, and asked, you know, for the Lord to uh, bring that to light and and, uh, give me greater understanding of exactly when we talk about the evil spirit from God. We're not talking about a uh, uh, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose very nature is good, but he does, again, allow for his glory and for his infinite purpose. And I think many of us, again, try to get into the business of God, of how he should go about his business, instead right. of saying, Lord, you're merciful and gracious to whom you're going to be merciful to. And we want to microwave this God. We want to mold and shape him into the God that we want. We, we, we want a God who did, that does not judge sin. We want a God who we can tell what to do uh, when we want things done, how we want things done, and um, I'm sorry it doesn't work that way. <laughs> God bless, and I'll continue to listen. Thank you. Right, man of God, and thank you so much for that. Uh, definitely, we're going to be getting back to the topic, but, you know, we are going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If it's going in this direction, then we'll just uh, navigate in this direction, and then we can just go full turn back into the topic. Amen. Um, because this is something that many people would want to know, and you've mentioned something about pre- predetermination. Uh, and so many would say that, well, was it predetermined for Saul to disobey? You know, well, God already knew it, and he already knew that David was going to take the throne, and he already knew. So what was the, what was the purpose? God was unjust. If he already knew, why didn't he stop it? Right? Oh, like, well, the question you mentioned, why does he allow evil to exist? Okay, well, number one, no one can counsel God. No one knows the mind of God. Uh, uh, but I, I would say this, and there are many people who uh, have different views um, biblically. It's really how you interpret the scriptures. Uh, the, what the man of God was getting into, for those of you who are listening, is very much um, the different arguments of Calvinism versus Arminianism. And we can look into that. Uh, individuals have many different beliefs. 
one of the things that um, I see in reference to this particular passage is, yes, God is all-knowing. Uh, all things are predetermined by him. And how do we know that things are predetermined? When you look at Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, that's, that's a clear evidence scripturally uh, that shows predetermination. Uh, uh, but one of the things that we begin to see here, that those things are predetermined, uh, we see in the scripture that things that are predetermined can also be altered because of decisions. Otherwise, it will make God an autocratic God. It will make God controlling. He did not design us to be robots. Uh, then we would not be free moral agents. Uh, we would really be puppets and not uh, his servants. We would not be uh, free moral agents, as I mentioned before. And so what God does is that all things are predetermined. And I believe that we ultimately decide whether we want to be in keeping with what's predetermined. Because he reveals, as a man of God shared, that blueprint to us of what we're called to do, what we're chosen, what we've been called out and picked out to do. God never does anything without revealing it. So he gives us the assignment, and it's how we manage that assignment will ultimately determine if that assignment is altered or not. And when that assignment when the assignment is altered, what then begins to happen is that uh, uh, then God begins to shift. He begins to shift and navigate through certain things. And, yes, God, all things are predetermined, but he still gives us will. So I, I, I pray that we do understand that. Um, many people are going to have their different views and interpretations um, concerning that, but nevertheless, uh, we're going to move on. Amen. And so a soul leader, uh, another, another aspect about a soul leader is that he fights for influence, prestige, and spotlight. Uh, soul leaders fight for influence, prestige, and spotlight, right? And, and David leaders, they fight for the presence, the prophetic purity, and kingdom exploits. And so that's how we can see the difference. And even as the men of God mentioned, here it is. Here are two men in the same office with the same assignment. Look at this. Look at this. Two men, both anointed by God, both have this, uh, an assignment to rule as king, but two different quality men, two different quality based on decisions, based on choices. Saul fought for influence, prestige, and spotlight. He was very prideful. He more was concerned about what people thought versus a David leader who fought for, uh, the, for, for the presence of God, for the prophetic, for purity. So we see here decisions are made, and that's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. It's simply because uh, the decisions were in divine alignment to God's will. All, it was in divine alignment to God's will and his way. So here it is. Uh, we find one of the characteristics about Saul is that Saul 
Saul spirits or, or individuals that are like Saul or, uh, or, or possess these qualities, uh, are, they make rash decisions and promises. I think I've gotten up to um, two points before. But they make rash decisions and promises. And here it goes. He made a rash decision which then led to the outcome of him being rejected. So it was not God's intentions to put a spirit on him to, for him to be rejected. It was because he made decisions independently without God, which resulted in these, uh, 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 this distortion of the assignment that was on his life. And that's what Saul leaders do. Saul leaders make decisions without consulting the Holy Spirit. And we see that even when David was in the wilderness, he stopped and he took those moments and said, God, where should I go next? What should I do? Where should I retreat? Uh, uh, and so he consulted God in all that he's done. And so he realized that it was not based on his own self-reliance. Whenever we are at a place of leadership, a place where God entrusts us to lead his flock or his people, we are never to make decisions outside of God. We're never to feel as though uh, it is us that's doing it. Because we saw that uh, his decisions, when God had instructed him to kill all the Amalekites, he decided within himself that he was going to uh, somewhat obey God. And uh, uh, total, uh, uh, total halfway obedience is not total uh, obedience. In fact, it's disobedience. If you don't complete the whole task that God is uh, uh, instructing us to do, it's disobedience. And so God told him to kill all the Amalekites and to do X, Y, and Z. You can look in within the scripture in, in, uh, in 1 Samuel. He did, not find, he did not follow those specific instructions, but then led to his demise. Point number two is that we find that a soul spirit is overly influenced by others' opinions. We find also uh, in 1 Samuel 13, verses 8 through 9, uh, chapter 14, verses 44 through 45, uh, and we can look there, uh, chapter 25, verses 24. Amen. So we can just look that within these different particular passage, you can see clearly uh, that he was influenced by uh, other people's decision-making. So what he wanted to please the people, excuse me, he wanted to please the people so much because he wanted that recognition. And in getting recognition from the people, I would get liked. And so guess what? This is why it's, we have to be careful that any time we're doing anything for the Lord, we do it ultimately unto the glory of God and not so that we can be seen, not because we want brownie points, not because we want a pat on the back, not because we want to praise, not because we want people to um, invite us to their church, not because we want to see our face on every single flyer. We want to be mindful of all of these things because whenever we are overly influenced uh, by the opinions of men, then now you are no longer uh, uh, doing things based on how God wants you to do it, and you're being ruled by men's decision and not God's decision. 
Amen. And so uh, here we have another characteristic of, of a soft spirit. The Bible says that he, he couldn't handle um, anyone receiving more praise than he did. He couldn't handle people receiving more praise than he did. And so the Bible says that uh, uh, Saul killed his, uh, his thousands and David his ten thousands. And, and many times you'll find that God will raise up a leader or someone that will do greater works than you have done. And that's okay. Because at the ending of the day, the, the glory does not belong to any one of us. Listen, if you are, if you have an audience of five people and another person has a stadium full of people, it does not mean that you are less significant than the other person. It doesn't mean that you have less importance in the eyes of God. It's just that he decides whom he wants to give the greater responsibility to, and he equips them for the greater responsibility. And we have to be okay with that. It's not that God loves one person more than the other, or he's favoring one more than the other. It ultimately, it's about obedience, but when we look at it the wrong way, then we will begin to start competing. And that's what happened with Saul. He began to compete with David because David was getting more praise. But also, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to say this. Even if you are a David and people start applauding you and praising you, immediately redirect that attention off of yourself and give the glory to God. Because I find that a lot of times this is where we uh, will go wrong, and if we're not careful, we can then fall into the spirit of pride. When people are praising us uh, and giving us um, commendations and praise, you always want to say, to God be the glory. There are many times that um, I can give my personal testimony where I have ministered uh, in many places, and... Out of ignorance, people are not really realizing what they're doing. And nothing wrong with thanking someone. There's nothing wrong with saying how much of a blessing someone is to you. But if someone comes to you and says, oh, I thank you uh, for X, Y, and Z, don't say, oh, yeah, I know, or I think it's that you did it. Or and for something that God did, you turn around and say, oh, thank you. No, it's no thank you. You always should say, to God be the glory. When people are commending you, it's to God be the glory. Oh, you know, you lay hands on me, and God used it to lay hands on me, and now I'm healed, now I'm delivered. Uh, guess what? You don't go around saying, oh, I delivered you, or I healed you. You didn't do anything. You don't have that kind of power. In fact, we don't have any power apart from God. It's to God be the glory. You laid hands on somebody, to God be the glory. You preached the message, to God be the glory. You helped deliver somebody, to God be the glory. It's nothing good that we have done. It's to God be the glory. And the moment we start taking praises and credit for ourselves, listen, it's no benefit to any of us if that begins to happen. We want to be mindful of that. So uh, we're to never think that if we're doing this in our own strength, 
or thanking or saying you're welcome uh, for me doing X, Y, and Z for you. No. Uh, here's another characteristic, and then I'm going to open up the line again. Um, and I think I, this is where I concluded sometime last week. He doubted the loyalty of those closest to him, and he drove them away. He drove them away. Uh, and so, as I said before, that David was assigned to Saul. And it was really his responsibility to undergird him. Uh, but he drove him away. And that's what happens, uh, like I said, in different arenas, uh, education arena, political arena, in, in church, different organizations, different places. You'll find that those who are sent to us, we drive them away and we doubt their loyalty uh, because they may not do things your way. Maybe they're not a yes man. Maybe uh, they disagree with you. Maybe they are sharing truth with you. Uh, maybe they just see things abstractly or did you see things a little bit differently? Uh, they're not going to be you. And that's what we have to realize. Those individuals that God sent to us are not going to be us. They're going to bring something different to the table, but ultimately enhancing one purpose. And, and we've got to learn to appreciate the variety and the different differentiation in each and every one of us. We all bring something good to the table. But guess what? Whenever we feel that we're doing this by ourselves, then guess what? There are some times you've got to let people eat alone. If you're bringing something to the table and they are reacting that way, then you've got to let people eat alone uh, because you don't want to involve yourself in, in their disobedience. And I see that's what happens with even many individuals that – that have um, leaders that demand blind loyalty. Some leaders demand blind loyalty that now because I'm so loyal or I don't want to disappoint my leader that I just do whatever they tell me to do, but then you're disappointing God. No, it's okay uh, uh, to be different. It's okay to be different but working towards one purpose and still being loving and honorable and respectful. But it's not for us to drive anyone away uh, and question people's loyalty because they don't see things the way we see them. Maybe they don't preach like you. Maybe they have a different preaching approach. Maybe they are uh, uh, this emerging leaders that are coming in that's more radical. They don't do things in a legalistic manner. They don't do things traditionally. Uh, maybe that's what they, they see something different, that they want to combine together, to work together for one vision, for one purpose. And we have to learn to embrace this in Christendom today and, and not fight against one another in that regard. It is now 8.20. We have approximately 40 more minutes. Amen. And I'm going to open up the um, – now I'm going to open up the uh, the line for any uh, questions, statements, or comments. I'm going to go into other portions, and uh, we'll be concluding at 9 p.m. So call your life if you'd like to interject or share anything in reference to what I just uh, spoke on. Call your life. God bless you. Good evening, woman of God. Good evening. Hi. Um, when we think of an armor bearer, uh, uh, in, in, in your own words, what is the purpose of an armor bearer, in your own words? Okay, I'm going to say it in its most simplistic form, to bear arms. <laughs> 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 okay. I mean, this really, it's to bear arms. 
uh, in I, the I'm spirit. Listening. So I just want to be as simplistic, but I, I am listening. Okay. And, and the reason why I ask that question is because, yes, to be an assistant, um, to assist, well, in this particular case with, with David and Saul, and, and this is my own personal opinion, and the revelation that I, well, in this revelation, but what I'm getting from this is that David was put in the path of Saul to make Saul better. What do I mean by that? When you take into the characteristics and the personality of David, even though he was young, you, you could, Saul could have still learned from him. Saul right. loved him, and he was, and, and yes, he favored David. But unfortunately, yes, because of uh, uh, pride, you, you, you said something beautiful. You said the loyalty of those around him. That's paranoia. Mm. What is about why do you feel threatened by me? You're king. I'm under your leadership. I'm your armor bearer. God has positioned you, has anointed you for, for this position. What is it that's in me that you're afraid of? Or, or what is it that's in you? What, what, what is in, in David? That Saul, King Saul saw and said, hmm, he makes a better leader or king than I do based on his personality, based on his response to certain circumstances. And I firmly believe in, again, I believe that David was put in Saul's life as a mirror. God put David in Saul's life as a mirror to say, this is what I look like, and this is what a king looks like, and this is how you conduct yourself. Because David did not dishonor. He loved Saul as much as, as Saul loved him. But the problem is, is the difference between this is that there were conditions placed on Saul's love. There was no conditions placed on David's love. So what eventually began to happen and how this relationship began to erode, and I, I firmly believe this is all a part of God's plan, was that when that javelin was thrown, I think that pretty much symbolized the ending of Saul's reign as king. As soon as he threw that javelin, it was on. The, 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 the move and, and in terms of uh, 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 what was to come, as far as David becoming king, that was the beginning of the end for King Saul. And if I may also go to what, what you had mentioned, uh, the medium at Endor, uh, you know, there comes a time, and this is not just in Old Testament, it's in uh, Romans chapter Chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So there was a point in time where God did not listen. When Saul would ask for direction, he would turn a, God, the, 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 uh, God would turn a deaf ear to King Saul. Therefore, and Saul, knowing this, 
saying, okay, well, Lord, if you're not going to listen, if you're not going to uh, listen to what I have to say, I need you right now, then I'm just going to consult the, uh, the, the medium and indoor, which he was forbidden to do. And that was another example of, again, God, in essence, turning, oh, uh, turning King Saul over to a reprobate mind. Mm, yes. And which now he is now governing according to his own understanding, his own way. He has now left that place of, 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 of he, he has now left that secret place. He has now left the presence of God, and he has now entered into his own understanding. And from there, uh, you know, there's some debate on the scripture on, on whether the medium actually did raise uh, the prophet Samuel or perhaps God allowed for the, uh, allowed for uh, uh, the prophet Samuel to be resurrected to now bring a prophetic message that Saul and his armor bearer and his sons were to be killed in battle. So um, there are many varying arguments on whether the medium actually did it. I say, I say that was divine. I say that God allowed for that to happen, uh, to bring a prophetic word, because the medium in Endor was shocked that it actually happened. So, um, but again, that's again my own personal opinion. But I just wanted to share that that God does leave us to a reprobate mind because we choose. Not mm-hmm. to acknowledge him as God, not to acknowledge him, not to follow his direction, not to follow his uh, commandments, but to seek our own way. And, and Because, look, he's not a God that's going to force his will upon you. My brothers and sisters, yes, we have a free will. Whether you don't think so or not, God will say, okay, if you feel that is the way, then you follow it. But I will not interfere with your personal choice to visit a medium and indoor or to go your own way. That's all I wanted to say. That's right, men of God. That's right, absolutely. As he does not interfere with our will. The only way he interferes with it is when we ask him to intercept. So we... <clears throat> You know, we definitely want to do everything that God is uh, asking us to do. Here's another example uh, or quality or characteristics, rather, of uh, Saul's spirit. We mentioned that he was very prideful, very prideful. We know that the spirit of pride is one of the greatest, greatest downfall of any leader. Uh, And one of the things that I often like to say is that the quickest way, uh, um, one of the the quickest ways, there's different ways to, to... kill a leader, but one of the quickest ways to kill a leader or to kill uh, uh, someone's ministry is pride. Uh, the Bible says that pride is an abomination to the Lord. Amen. God hates pride. And so we've got to be very mindful that we're not prideful uh, the moment God decides to anoint us. I, <laughs> you know, there are many times I've seen, I've made the observation that uh, when God starts to manifest promises in our life or uh, the moment we get a mic in our hand and all of a sudden <laughs> we, we know so much that we can't 
take heed to someone else or, uh, or, or we know look at this to God or we just want people to see us. The moment we take the platform, it, the pride takes over. And, and that's one of the things we don't want to engage ourselves in because that's the quickest way for you to abort your assignment is through pride. <laughs> the opposite of pride, we all know that's uh, um, humility. Here's another a characteristic of a soul spirit. Um, soul spirits, they become remorseful. They become remorseful for the wrongdoing that they have done, but they do not repent. I'm going to say that again. They become remorseful for the wrongdoing that they have done, but they do not repent. See, and that was the thing with David. David was very repentant. One of the things he said is that, Lord, hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Excuse me. Sin against thee. And, and, but on the contrary, when we look at Saul, we find that Saul, on the other hand, uh, he was remorseful that he did not follow God's instructions, but he refused to repent. And again, as I share with you, the spirit of Saul works very closely like the spirit of Jezebel at the same time. Jezebel does not repent, neither does the spirit of Saul. So they will show remorse, but they don't truly repent. He was not sincerely sorry from his heart of, of, of what he's done and asked God to to help him and to, to govern his thinking and to make better decisions and to, and to lead as, how, as to how God uh, would have him to lead. Here's another characteristic. A soul spirit controls people by fear, intimidation, emotional manipulation, shame, put-downs, punishment, rejection, or failure. I'm going to say that again. It controls people by fear, intimidation, emotional manipulation, shame, put-downs, punishment, rejection, or failure. Again, uh, the spirit of Saul operates just like the spirit of Jezebel at the same time. Uh, and so it tried to put fear in David by throwing the javelins. It tried to intimidate him by making him believe that he was the king and this, he had the right to, to treat David the way he was treating him. Uh, uh, and, and there was punishment and rejection of that involved. He was a man of God shared before. He once used to love David, but then he switched on him. He switched on him. So now he began to, the person uh, that, was, that used to love David now is rejecting David. And a lot of people will find that they experience that in ministry, that the leader, once you uh, perhaps just start in ministry or, or start off, uh, you'll find that there will be a bonding. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a leader. It can, be, it can mean anybody. Uh, you'll find that it'll start off well, but then it doesn't end well, right? It starts off well, but it doesn't end well, uh, uh, simply because uh, there is rejection uh, takes place. Rejection takes place uh, because now the Spirit of the Lord is starting to operate in you. Now, let me clear this up. Let me, let me just also share this. When I'm speaking of 
of leadership. This does not necessarily go for ministry. And so this is not a message of church bashing. This is not a message of leadership bashing. These are just to illuminate and show us what we're not to do. So what I am trying to uh, illuminate to you tonight is to show us what we're not to do, the approach, the method, the behavior, the characteristics we're not to take on or do so that we do not become uh, uh, like Saul, how he ended up. And so I'm definitely going to share the solution with you all um, as after I shared the characteristics. So there should always be a balance to the message, and I'll just do that just shortly. Here's another um, a characteristic here. A soul spirit has to be number one uh, in his desire to power, fame, prominence, and position. If they're not number one, then uh, then no one can take their place. They don't want anyone else to shine. It's only they're very self-centered and egotistical. Again, we're not to be that way, self-centered and egotistical. Where we're the only ones getting the shine, uh, but we leave everybody else to be our audience or cheerleaders, and everyone is just acknowledging us. That's not how God designed uh, his ministry to be or how we're supposed to be towards one another in any kind of setting, corporate setting, church setting, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're supposed to uh, equally work with one another. Uh, here's another um, characteristic. A soul spirit is insecure, very fearful, cowardly, very jealous and suspicious. A soul individual will always be insecure. They will always think that you're going to take their spotlight. Or if you show your gift too much, then then they would no longer look significant. Uh, they're fearful of you, as I said, because with David, the Lord was with him. So when people find that there's a grace upon your life, an assignment, a, a, a mantle, an anointing, and the oil of God is on you, people will become fearful of that because, again, we have made it about ourselves. They uh, also have a very jealous spirit. We saw uh, that Saul began to develop a jealous spirit. So one minute he loved him. Now, this is interesting. In one chapter, one chapter, it said that David, Saul loved David. The following chapter, it says Saul tried to kill David. And I'm saying that's amazing. What a difference a chapter can make. A chapter can make all the world of a difference, that it happens that quickly that a person who wants you to love you will all automatically just become something else because of who you are. And you're probably saying to yourself, what did I do wrong? Did I go wrong with something? Did I make a mistake? Did, did I dishonor? 
honor this person? Did I do something wrong? And sometimes when you are anointed, you don't have to do any wrong. It's just because of who you are, which means you've got to understand your presence alone will offend people. The anointing on your life will offend people. It will scare them. It will it make them fearful, insecure, jealous. Listen, it's just the fact that you are you and God anointed you to be who you are. And the oil of God is on your life. You will find that you will create enemies. Every anointed person has always had an enemy. If you don't have an enemy, I will be concerned whether I have the oil of God on my life or not. I'm going to open up the lines uh, once again for anybody that have any questions, statements, or comments. Uh, I'm going to go through uh, three more points, and then I'm going to talk about uh, real quickly how to deal with a soft spirit. Amen. So call you alive if you have any questions, statements, or comments for the last uh, 20 minutes we have remaining. Woman of God? Yes, God bless you, man of God. Yes, uh, I just want to commend you and say thank you for uh, this topic, uh, dealing with the characteristics of Saul and, and David. Uh, uh, I believe th- that uh, this is a warning to all of us. And I think we need to also check ourselves, and this goes for everybody within the house of God, uh, and just reviewing everything that uh, uh, you told me to write down here, doubts with the loyalty of those around him, uh, uh, remorseful, these, these are the characteristics of Saul, uh, being remorseful, uh, but don't repent, controls people by fear, shame, failure, insecure, fearful. Saul became his own God, and I think mm-hmm. that's the tragedy of this, is that uh, it, it was like he worshipped himself. It, it, it's a form of idolatry, uh, sadly to say, but God did make a way of escape for him, and he put David in his life, as we were talking about earlier, in his life for a reason, uh, to be an example, but pride mm. just uh, took over. And he was not, he wasn't receptive to what God was doing there. In essence, God, if I may even go a step further, it was like God incarnated himself in the form of David. Come on, yes. Now, some people may say that's blasphemy because David just actually to mention that as well, so this is confirmation. Oh, okay, okay. So it was like God, uh, who is spirit, came in the flesh to say, Saul, my son, I love you, and I have a purpose for you. And it was like God was right there in the form of David to guide him through everything that he wanted him to do. And, and I would even say also the prophet Samuel was put in his life for a reason. So God loves Saul. Let, 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 I, look, Saul got it wrong. We understand that. He, yes, he was. Yes, he he was full of pride. But I'm going to call this a lesson. And I, mm. and I, when I look at the life of Saul, this is God's way of saying, beloved, don't try to do this on your own. You yes. better surround yourself with people who can see, who can pray you out of this who can lay hands if they need to, who have 
the anointing will have my anointing, mind you, not just uh, 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 anybody's anointing, but they have my anointing, whether it be David or the prophet Samuel, you better align yourself with people who can lift you up when you go wrong. The problem is, and I want to bring this to the present day, to the 21st century, we have leaders in place but no seers around them who will bring correction, who will say, man of God, woman of God, you're going in the wrong direction. Now, I'm going to use the prophet Nathan as an example. When David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, who was there to correct, who bring uh, to bring correction? Yes, the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God operating in and through the prophet Nathan to now bring a word of condemnation to David, and David repented. So this is the message that I'm getting, that you are not to become your own God, and if you do tend, if you do go in that direction, you need powerful leadership around you to point out men of God, women of God. That's not the direction to go in. That is not what God has told you to do, and to bring that correction. Now, I'll use the prophet Samuel. He he, he came down on Saul. He said, Saul, why do I hear I, I hear sheep, Saul? We need people like that. Who are going to make it plain to us? Who are not yes. going to patronize us? Who are not yes men? Who are going to tell us like it is? And they're going to tell us, and whether we want to hear it or not, whether we care to hear it, we need individuals in leadership who have the boldness to say what you're doing is not the will of God. And that is the difference, and that, and that, that is the example that I'm getting from this uh, scripture, is that we are not to take this on by ourselves and become our own God. We need help. God bless you. Very well said, man of God. Thank you so much. It was so powerfully and well said. And just to kind of just add a, just a little bit, not too much, because the man of God shared a mouthful. Um, and I thank you so much for that. Uh, uh, see, when God sent David, as a man of God's share, God sent David as an extension of mercy. It was an extension of mercy because he was trying to give him deliverance. David was sent to give, bring him deliverance. Now watch this. The interesting thing about it is that, I'm going to go slow in saying this. When you look at David, the Bible, as the man of God shared, there was an evil spirit that was in, upon David. Excuse me, upon Saul. God sent David to Saul to remove that evil spirit, which means that David, as the man of God shared, is a typification of an extension of God's mercy. He was saying to Saul, I am here to give you or bring you deliverance. Now watch this. Oftentimes, individuals that are like Saul don't think they need deliverance. So God will begin to expose to you that you need deliverance by sending something that's just like you, my God. But that's, that's, that's just like you in position, but not in heart. Wow. My God. Listen, and so he said, okay. I'm gonna. I'm just going to. I'm going to. I'm gonna. Exa- I'm gonna show you. You. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna bring forth David, and I'm going to show you what's inside of you. And the, the way you're going to know what's inside of you is the way you're going to react to David. 
So God will put another anointed person in your midst. He will put somebody else there that can do just what you can do but better. But they're submitted to you. And he says, okay, I'm going to see what you're going to do. And if you get jealous, I am extending mercy to you to show you that jealousy was inside of you all along. And unless I brought David, you would never know that it was in you. Wow. We would never know what's inside of us if God don't bring someone that can, if God doesn't show us our replacement. And God was trying to show Saul his replacement to humble him. But he still did not take heed to that. And so we need to realize that unless David was, unless David is there, you would never think you need deliverance. You would never think that jealousy is in you. You would never think that, oh, there's no pride in me. Because we're so quick to say, oh, I don't have any pride. Oh, I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with this. But God says, okay, I'm going to show you what's inside of you. Because unless I present this, you would never know that it exists. Wow. And, and so David and Samuel was an extension of mercy, which clearly indicates that even Samuel spoke to him before David was doing deliverance. Yes, Samuel was trying to tell, talk to him. David was trying to talk. God was trying to talk to him, and he still did not take heed. And so that's where we're sharing that a lot of times remorse is not the same as repentance. Remorse is saying, I am sorry for my sin. But repentance is saying that I am turning away from my sin and never to return there again. But a lot of times we do like Saul. We play sorry with God. But I'm sorry I did this. But yet we go mix, we do it again. God doesn't want a sorry. He wants a repentance. And so that's what we need to take into um, perspective. I'm going to move along here quickly. Wow. Uh, okay, so we share that uh, he demands total loyalty. Watch this, even when he's wrong. Even when he's wrong, he demands loyalty. The Bible says that Saul was upset and angry that, uh, that Jonathan loved his son David. He demanded Jonathan total loyalty, and he saw it, he saw it as this loyalty that Jonathan was friends with David. Right? Souls are, are very possessive, and they don't want you to have close friends. They, they take that as a confrontation or disagreement to disloyalty. So for them, it's, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing, which means that they will try to separate you one from the other. Uh, a soul spirits hear what they want to hear, right? So they, as I said, uh, Saul listened to the people. Uh, who lied rather than those who told him the truth. Uh, David confronted him on this, Samuel, Jonathan, uh, and so many people, but Saul would not listen because he did not want to hear it. Saul believed what he wanted to believe, right? And so we, we talked about that. Now let me give you briefly, I have approximately 13 minutes left. I'm going to try to wrap this up as expeditiously as possible, but efficiently. Uh, so here's how to deal with a Saul's spirit, and here's the positive solution. If we find that we're struggling with the soul spirit or a leader or someone you may know, again, as a man of God shared early on in the segment, don't badger them. Here's the solution. Work through forgiveness. Don't go and try and tarnish the person's character or integrity because they have mishaps. 
Don't try to destroy the person. Don't fight fire with fire. Don't vindicate yourself. Work through forgiveness. Right? So you want to thank God for for uh, that he forgave us. Right? In order for us to want forgiveness, we got to forgive. We have to ask God to forgive us of the judgment in which he could have held against us. Right? We have to ask God to forgive us of any bitterness. Maybe a song, a person with the song spirit has offended you. Ask God to forgive you of the bitterness that you have developed. Okay? Or, or, or bitterness that maybe your song and, and the, the bitterness you developed within yourself or even against God. You have to ask God to, as a man of God shared, bless them and ask God for healing, healing for yourself, healing for the person, right? Because a lot of times those people who are controlling, in the beginning they had good qualities. It's just that somehow they've gone off the wrong track. So we have to definitely pray the will of God concerning that. And... Uh, we have to try to understand where people are coming from and extend grace to whomever and truly love one another. If we don't have love, we have nothing. We can yeah. just pack up our bags and, as we speak, ministry will never be effective unless we have love. And the Bible says that David loved Saul. And at the ending, what happened? The beginning of the story. The Bible says that Saul eventually acknowledged David. It took all of that when he was at the ending of it to realize I was wrong. I was in error. Not only to this person that I have wronged, but to God. And that, my friends, love will ultimately drive a person to acknowledgement to their knees, to repentance. Number two, let God be the judge. God judge uh, individuals that, that are behaving unseemly. The Bible says Saul has three sons, his umbrella and all, and all his army was destroyed by it. And, and we find that uh, um, uh, Saul was just doing all the wrong things. He sought the witch of Ender, but it's not for us to be the judge. Maybe you find someone, maybe it's you, maybe it's you, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe someone you're close to, your pastor, friend, your boss, that's just doing the wrong thing. It's not for us to go and pointing fingers, but to say, Lord, make your righteous judgment be uh, a prevail in this circumstance, in this matter, and let God ultimately judge the situation. Not trying to be self-righteous and, and think that we're rare without error or we've never done anything wrong, right? Because we've all done something wrong. In fact, David had some dirty clothes in his closet too. David made some horrible mistakes. He, he, was, not, he was not the most perfect person. He's done some things himself. But it's our posture, it's our posture. When we find ourselves in the wrong position, then we want to find ourselves in the right posture after that. Number three, acknowledge to God that you have, you, you grieved over this relationship. Maybe you've had a good relationship with someone and something happened. Uh, maybe the person was close to you or maybe, you know, you had a great connection, but all of a sudden the, something just happened. 
Acknowledge to God that, wow, Lord, this really hurt. And I'm hurting. This person's hurting. Hurt people hurt people. Lord, come into the situation. Bring healing. Or as the man of God said, bring restoration. And God will do that. Number four, persevere in prayer and pray the will of God. And so when we persevere in prayer, God will uh, give us the instructions. He will build us. He will make us fortified. He will strengthen us. He will expose to us what is it that we need to know. It will help us to grow and to develop as mature Christians. And, and that's why we see David has name has gone down in history because he's matured. He's endured. He prayed much. He, he gave praises unto God. And that's what God would require for us to do. Number five, set righteous boundaries. Set righteous boundaries for yourself. If you know that there's an individual that has this spirit of soul in, in, their, in your life or maybe you're one of them, set righteous boundaries. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to get harmed. Why am I saying this? I hear a lot of people um, ask me for prayer and say, well, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm in the controlling ministry or, or, or I'm controlling, dealing with a controlling boss or controlling spouse. What do I do? Set righteous boundaries. Ask the Holy Spirit for instructions, but don't put yourself in a predicament where you're susceptible for, to being attacked. The Bible says that David fled from Saul, and rightfully so. Unless he had did that, then Saul would have pursued him. So be realistic in that, in that regard. Number six, take lessons from David on how to respond to Saul, right? Your spiritual victories are won not when you fight with your own hands or are coming up, coming up against your enemy, right? But allowing God to deal with it. Remember, for, for David, uh, David met pride with humility, and, and even when Saul was angry, the Bible says he behaved himself wisely. David demonstrated his understanding for this principle, right? And, and he, knew, he knew God, and he did the right thing. He did not throw his spirit back. He honored God's anointing. And even when Saul was acting, not acting right, he honored God anointed. For he said, touch not, and the scripture says, touch not my anointed, nor do my prophets no harm. Remember, they are still anointed. Even though they are acting out in the wrong spirit, the, the evidence of the oil is still on them. The moment God anointed them, the evidence of the oil is still on them until God removes it. Which means that not to attack any of God's anointed vessel, even if they're not acting right. He spared Saul's life because of mercy and meekness uh, while, Saul, while Saul tried to kill David, right? And ultimately, we saw that David let God vindicate and deal with Saul. So if you find yourself going through this situation or have gone through this, uh, maybe you're the one dealing with the, uh, the syndrome of Saul, Maybe you have the, Saul, the cycle of Saul syndrome, or you find someone dealing with the syndrome of Saul. We had to get free, and that's simply by submitting to God and, and, and to forgive 
and to allow God to just clean us up, to restore us, to make us holy, to make us righteous, and to do the right thing. My friends, I have approximately four more minutes. I'm going to open the line one last time for a quick statement for any caller that's on the live on the line tonight, and then I will conclude for tonight. So, caller, you are live. Thanks again, woman of God. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, I just wanted to say a quick thank you uh, for this teaching. Uh, Oh, one one thing. Uh, Number three, uh, the uh, the solutions on how to deal with the false spirit is what again? Number three? Is acknowledge God. Acknowledge to God that you have been grieved over the relationship. Okay. So I will say briefly. One is work through forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Two is let God judge. Three is acknowledge to God that you have been grieved over the relationship. Four is persevere in prayer. Five is set righteous boundaries. Number six is take lessons from David's response to Saul. It's amazing uh, in this response uh, by David. All of this was a was a preparation for that yeah. next move which would be kingship. So from the uh, tending to the sheep as a young boy, teenager, to his relationship with King Saul, because all that relationship being his armor bearer was only positioning him for the throne. Mm. And he would be uh, king of Israel. So all things, as you said earlier, uh, you said all things work together for good. So uh, I've I, I really learned a great deal uh, from this lesson. Um, and I just thank God for the King Saul. Uh, well, not the spirit, <laughs> but I thank God for, and, and actually, you know what, I take that back. Because even the Saul spirit we can learn from. And I just said that all things work together for good. So, And these are lessons not just for leaders, but also for people who are not in leadership, that we're not to exalt ourselves, that we need God and, and we need his guidance. And we just have to be open, not above correction. We should never get to a place where we are above correction, but to just say, Lord, I don't know it all. And even as king, even as uh, bringing it to the, the present day, whether you're an apostle whether you're a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, uh, what, what have you, we should never allow for our titles to bring us to a place that is not God-honoring. We should always maintain that, that, that spirit and that posture of humility and service because ultimately, regardless of where you fit into the fivefold, you are still a servant of God. God bless you and have a good night. Most certainly. Thank you so much for that, man of God. Well, that concludes our teaching for tonight. This is your host, Dehima McLean. Thank you also very kindly for joining. We pray that you were spiritually enriched and blessed on, on tonight. We want to thank you all for joining. Uh, we want to bless God for each and every one of you. I am on here every first and third Mondays of every month at 7 p.m. all the way to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're looking forward for you to come back on at 646 668 
Again, that's 646-668-2413. Invite a friend next segment. Amen. We're going to be talking about Hannah and Penina. You are going to be tremendously blessed. You cannot afford to miss it. If you want to get connected to my ministry, just look me up on social media on Facebook, Dehima McLean Ministries. That's D-I-H-I-M-A-M-C-L-E-A-N Ministries. Amen. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, accept him into your heart today. Believe in your heart and, and confess him, amen, to be Lord, and he will come into your life. My friends, thank you so much. I pray that you will be blessed. God bless you. May you have a great, great night in Jesus' name. We love you, and Jesus loves you even more. Good night, and God bless.